So this person can't go out the house because the dog will bark. And when they do go out the house for their respite, for their break, the dog's barking and lunging. Imagine living that stressful 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Welcome to The Consult Room, the podcast that celebrates pets and people. I'm Dr. Paul Mangtelow. I'm a veterinary surgeon with a passion for the rich insights and stories about pets in the modern world that we live. Whether you're a pet owner, a pet professional, or you just love hearing about pets, then this is the space for you. Early in the pandemic, a report from the Dogs Trust found that 26% of dogs had developed at least one problem behaviour in the first UK lockdown. Later in 2021, these findings were echoed by the PDSA Poor Report that identified that over 2.1 million dogs were now showing new behaviours. Even more concerning were the statistics around new dogs, the so-called pandemic puppies, with large proportions of them exhibiting antisocial behaviours like aggression, jumping up and distress when left alone. Today, I'm talking to dog behavioural expert Nigel Reed author of the best-selling book, The Dog Guardian. I'll be asking Nigel, is the UK heading for a dog behaviour crisis? Nigel, from a dog behavioural perspective, what did you think when lockdown was announced? Straight away, I was thinking this is going to be an issue for dogs in a few ways. One, the lack of socialisation. Clearly, it's going to happen. People can't connect with one another. They can't get close to one another. Therefore, the dogs can't get close to one another. Two, I was thinking if they're not going to leave the house, this is going to be a problem with separation anxiety as well. And lo and behold, both things happen to a drastic situation. Yeah. Just talk me through, like, from from your perspective, obviously... You you work in a predominantly face-to-face kind of context, don't you? Mm. But you've also got quite a big online presence. You've got millions of views on YouTube. But did that allow you to carry on working and, and connecting and engaging with people? Yeah, I was really, really one of the lucky ones because I was already set up online to, to help others. Whereas if if it was five, six years ago, I, I don't think I, I would think I would have been quite a bit of trouble but luckily I managed to kind of send my videos to people online and have video calls. And I got quite a lot of clients actually, because everybody was desperate for help. So it wasn't too bad. Lockdown didn't affect me too much. So from a, a veterinary perspective, and a lot of vets will say this to you, that a lot of, it felt like a lot of people were running out and grabbing dogs mm. and going, do you know what? I'm working from home. Always wanted a dog. I'm going to go and get one. But um, a lot of the people that are presenting, particularly in veterinary practices, didn't know very much about dogs, about preventive healthcare, about you know things like socialisation, and and so we were seeing quite a lot of problems in the veterinary world. Was that echoed in the behavioural world? Yeah, definitely. I remember one client saying to me that the they had to give their dog to the vet, and the vet is obviously snowed under with work because they've got so much at the moment with the massive increase in dogs and then the the person handing it over to the vet and getting a jab was a very traumatic thing for the dog so then the dog is absolutely panicked of the vets there and panicked of other people so it's the the knock-on effect that this has had is just unfathomable both the 
PDSA report and the Dog's Trust report identified some quite disturbing results in that they demonstrated there was definitely a, a shift in behaviour across across mm. the nation. Now, both charities have got vested interest in looking at this. Obviously, the Dog's Trust, um, you know, one of the predominant reasons that dogs are rehomed is because of behaviour. So they really wanted to understand whether there was a looming crisis going on. And, and PDSA do an annual report to assess, you know, the annual, um, the, 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 the health, if you like, of the, the pet nation. So both these charities had a vested interest in this and both showed some quite disturbing results in terms of uh, negative behaviours emerging. Now, we've mentioned some of those behaviours already, but is that the sort of thing that you are seeing? Oh, definitely. As a little, They've done a massive study. My little micro study of, of the clients that I work with comes up with the same results. It's all about those three problems, really. Separation anxiety, uh, aggression to dogs from a lack of socialisation, and aggression to visitors from not having any people come through the door. All those things are really stressful, aren't they? Yeah. I think they're, they're stressful to kind of any dog owner, but I mean, I'm sure that you would agree that a lot of owners were new owners in the pandemic. So, you know, when they're faced with that, so did you have people phoning you in panic that, that they didn't understand what was happening? And Yeah, in tears. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, think about it, if you can't have somebody in your house. I mean, I've got one client who had a dog with such extreme reactivity outside and separation anxiety inside. So this person can't go out the house because the dog will bark. And when they do go out the house for their respite, for their break, the dog's barking and lunging. Imagine living that stressful, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it was really hard for them. And what I said to them is concentrate on the separation anxiety, get that sorted. So as soon as that was sorted, at least then they could go out on their own and have a bit of respite for it, mm. um, a bit of respite from the situation. And that gave them a bit more resilience to then deal with the other issue of reactivity. Mm. But yeah, all of it together was was an absolute curse for this person and you you're explaining like <laughs> describing what sounds like a combination of all these behaviors when you're presented with a case like that how how long how much work how much investment in time would that take you to to get that dog to a place where it is more confident less stressed and not displaying those those kind of behaviors it's a really tough question because it is like how long is a piece of string and it depends on loads of variables, like how good the owner is at communicating the message and how much time they've got and how stressed the dog is, how deep-rooted the problems are. So this, it's always multi-variables. So it's looking at all those variables, but you should be able to get something like separation anxiety done in a couple of weeks if, if you work hard at it. And sometimes it's done in like two days, three days. But if you work really hard at it, you should be able to make big leaps in a couple of weeks. Uh, aggression to dogs. I mean, I've worked with a dog that's the aggression was 10 months. And I've also worked with a dog that the aggression was 10 days. So it, 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 some dogs need longer at each stage before you move them to that's the next stage. Other dogs fly for it. Interesting, when I said you were going to be here today, um, I put a shout out to see if anybody had any questions. And it was, well... It's probably not that surprising that all the questions were in relation to dogs that were under one year old. Right. And they were all dogs that were barking mm. um, out of the dogs. So I just thought that was a real, you know, telling sign and yeah. very much echoing what we're here talking mm. about today. 
Um, but I just wanted to to read uh, a couple of the questions for, for you and just because mm-hmm. because actually from what we've been talking about today already, I think if the people are listening to that, they can probably answer these questions themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one is from a 10 month old uh, Daxi called Yogi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they only say that whenever they go out for a walk, Yogi um, uh, barks at every dog they encounter and he goes up to them uh, and they've interpreted his behaviour as he just wants to say hello. Mm. So what they do is they walk up with Yogi, they let him check out and sniff the other dogs uh, and then everything's fine again until he sees another dog and then he barks, he reacts and he goes. Now, from what we've been talking about, I don't feel, and I'll get your expert opinion on this, that dog is just saying hello. I think that dog's reacting to that other dog. So over to you, What's, so, what, what, what do you think? I think that issue is stemming from the dog's security needs and that dog feels like it needs to provide for its own safety needs through a lack of communication. And that dog then goes, barks, goes up to every situation, right, I'll go and deal with this, I'll go and deal with that. I'll, you know, it's like the postman and the dog scenario. You know, the postman comes to the door, the dog barks, postman walks away. This happens 300 days a year and the postman, the dog starts getting wound up with this person. What are you doing back? I've told you that many bloody times. And the dog's also, you know, out in front dealing with each dog that it's, de- that, that it's seeing. And when the owner interprets it as just saying hello, then obviously they think, oh, there's no problem with them just saying hello. That's what the dog does. He has a bark, they walk off. But in my view, the dog's controlling the environment and it stems from trying to provide for its own security needs. And if the dog keeps providing for its own security needs, this problem gets worse and worse and worse. So you've got to show your dog that you provide for its security needs. So if my dog was barking and then I was like, oh, I'm not going up to a dog. I'm not going to walk towards uh, another person and a you know, with my dog that's barking. And if you've got a dachshund, it's quite easy to do and fall down that trap. If you have a Rottweiler, you certainly aren't going to do that because it's not going to be very well received. But a dog has a defense response of flight, freeze or fight. And it's all very nuanced. So flight, running away is really easy to see. But you've also got walking away. You've got turning head, all in the flight. Then you've got freeze. You've got three types of freeze. You've got a submissive freeze where dogs will get lower than the other dog. Then you've got an assertive freeze where they'll go up to the situation. Then they've got an aggressive freeze where they lunge and bark and then they've got fight. And we've got the, nu- the same nuance as well. So you could see me in the street, someone starting a fight on me and I could be using humour to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And you could look at that and go, oh, look, he's all right. But if you look closely, then that's not going on. It's not great what's going on at all. I'm trying to get out of my situation by using a freeze, an assertive freeze, but I'm, I'm being a little bit passive as well by, mm-hmm. by smiling. And dogs have got this range of how they do with things, but we don't translate it under, you know, the, the, under security needs. We give it all these different explanations and we use that terrible word just, and that word just justifies so much bad behaviour. Oh, he's just saying hello. Oh, he's just being a bit moody. And it's not the case. No, he's controlling the environment. And just on that, I had one client's dog that go up to every single dog it would see, every single dog, and it'll get on its back, do a submissive freeze. However, every six months or so, this is no exaggeration, it would literally try and kill the other dog. And the owners were like, I do not understand it. He's mm. normally so friendly. Mm. And I was going, well, you're interpreting his friendliness, but he's going up and he's on the scale of providing for his own safety needs. Mm. So he goes up, he rolls over, goes, hey, I'm no threat. Hey, I'm no threat. I'm no threat. And he does this constantly 
40 times a day with every dog he sees. And every six months or so, or so he loses it and he goes from submissive freeze to fight. So Yogi is doing an assertive freeze. He's going up to the situation, he's barking, he's investigating it. Mm. And the other dog's like, yeah, I don't mind. But there are going to be dogs that do. And every time Yogi's owner allows Yogi to do this, she's reinforcing it's his job to provide for its security needs. This episode is sponsored by Superdog from Vitabiotics, the UK's number one vitamin company. Like all members of the family, your dog needs a balanced diet that includes a range of vitamins and minerals to stay healthy and full of vitality. Superdog's chewable, tasty braised beef tablets are packed with over 21 nutrients, expertly formulated for your special companion. Superdog's available now at Amazon, Ocado, Paws, and Vitabiotics.com. So what should Yogi's owners do in that situation? Well, to show a dog that you're providing for its safety needs, you've got to choose a defense response of flight, freeze or fight before the dog. And if the dog then carries on and continues to try it, even though you're showing them that you're dealing with it, then you've got to keep carrying on and take that decision making off of them. So if I've got a, a dog on lead and he's choosing freeze and he wants to go up to the other dog, I'll go in the opposite direction. I'll choose flight. I'll show the dog, I'll, I'll take control of the situation. Don't worry about it. And once you've shown a dog X amount of times that you'll provide for their safety needs, they'll start looking to you for answers. But if you allow them to provide for their own safety needs, it's just going to get worse because it's a tough job that they're not able to do in this world. And that comes back to the theme, which is a theme in your book, isn't it, of of that that leadership that 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 kind of that confidence building in the dog so uh, you know the dog is confident it's happy because you're they're looking to you as their leader and they've they've got that trust in you that's right security provider i'll take care of that danger don't worry about it and then i'll introduce you to dogs over time but i'll be very active with it so you know if we were going to uh you know daycare for children for example if the children started arguing or, or battling too much the parents will be on it too immediately. When dogs do it, and they're quite assertive with one another, it's usually called just play. So it's really important we identify what is play and what is just saying hello, because a lot of the time things aren't what they seem. So have you got any examples of uh, separation anxiety, for example? And can you just talk us through how that behavior develops mm -hmm. from the dog's perspective? and then the steps that an owner needs to take to address it. Yeah, so I had separation anxiety twice today. And um, the, the morning session, the, the people, if they moved around the house or they went out to take the bins, the dog started barking. If they moved around the house, the dog started following them because he's got no idea what the owners are gonna do. And when they walked out the house, which they had to do at some point, the dog panicked, felt left alone, barked the whole time, got stressed with the situation, and then the people came back and the dog thought, right, that's what I've got to do. I've got to bark for an hour because that's what will get them back. I've got to shout louder. But that made the dog even more hyper aware when the people moved around. So the dog would not leave these people's side. And um, so I got the people this morning and I asked them to stand up. As soon as they stood up, the dog jumped off the couch. I asked them to sit back down again. Then I asked them to stand up again. Dog jumped off the couch. I asked them to sit back down again. Then I asked them to stand up again. The dog didn't jump off the couch, he just looked at them. And I said, right, sit down again. Now the dog hasn't reacted, we've got our starting point. Now, once you've got your starting point, you know you can move forward. But if you can't get off the couch, 
then going outside for an hour is impossible. So you've got to break every problem down into all these little micro stages. You can't really pass a micro stage in so many scenarios. There are times you can, you can, but in majority of scenarios, you cannot pass a micro stage until you've got the other one secure. It's like trying to run a marathon. If you haven't got 10 miles under your belt, you can't do 25. It's all about small steps in the right direction because we're trying to boost the dog's confidence in its environment, i.e. in this case, the environment of the owner's leaving the dog. So if you can get the dog okay with the client leaving for five seconds, then you should be able to do six seconds. And is that obviously what you're describing is a stepwise approach, which you know involves a lot of patience mm. and investment of time. Yeah. Now, it's very frustrating from a vet's perspective in that you can't offer people, uh, and vets are not behaviourists by any stretch of imagination, but we just don't have that time you know, to invest in, in helping and guiding owners in, in, in things, anything behavior related at all, really. So that's why, you know, um, it's great to be able to refer to a, a dog behaviorist. Um, but do you find that some owners don't have either the ability or the inclination to invest that much time or have the patience? Yeah, luckily the minority. So, uh... And you can't always blame people's situations. And my life is relatively simple, like one child, you know, one dog. Um, but let's say that I've got three children and two dogs. Then all of a sudden I've got so many more problems and so much less time. So a lot of it is is not down to the fault of the owner per se. It's just the circumstances they find themselves in. But I think everybody could really try and evaluate what's the worst case scenario and try and prepare for all these situations so they don't arise. So the pandemic saw a big shift in our lifestyles, which ultimately changed the relationship that we have with dogs. Now, we've been talking a lot today about the negative impacts on dog behaviour, but can you see anything positive that's come out of the pandemic? hugely yeah yeah the amount of people that are willing and dedicated to their dogs i mean i've got not great references because i've got people calling me up asking for help whereas a study from the pdsa or the dogs trust will have a bit more of a balanced overview of it but from my perspective getting a dog during lockdown is a fantastic thing because you've got the time to really put in it was just the fact they thinking okay well, we may not be able to get to the vet or we may not be able to socialise with other dogs, but it's not like everybody's got this problem. Some people managed to find a way. And it was really nice to see how many people were finding a way as well, because it is the majority. And that was going to lead on to my next question. A lot of people in the pandemic are looking and reevaluating their work-life balance. Mm. And um, some of the common things that are coming through is people want to have much more of a balance where they can uh, spend more time at home uh, versus going into an office. Now, that all feels like very conducive to dog ownership, doesn't it? Do mm. you think that that looks good in looking forwards, aside from the, the kind of the immediate problems we've got? But as a longer term model, do you think that that would really support uh, dogs as a suitable pet? Yeah, I think, uh, like anything, we realise humans are pretty smart creatures. And we, we get a problem, we go, oh, God, what are we doing here? And then we adapt and hopefully keep moving forward with it. So more time should 
generally be a good thing, but you just have to account, let's say with separation anxiety, there's nothing wrong with being in the house 20 hours a day with the dog, 22 hours a day with the dog. But if you're constantly fussing the dog and you're only there for 10 hours, for example, that's probably more detrimental than um, being with the dog more and not fussing the dog constantly. Mm. So again, there's so many variables and I think people need to understand the variables and what could potentially go wrong and make smart decisions. So as we sit here, we so we hit we sit here at a point in time where lots of people, lots of professions, uh, whether it be veterinary, dog behavior, lots of people reporting lots of problems with with our with our dogs. Um, how long do you think we're going to be feeling the impacts of the pandemic? Uh, this is totally arbitrary, but I think uh, 15 years. And I think that some dogs are going to be affected now for their whole life because that's just the nature of it. I, I, I know people can turn around, but it's going to go on for at least 15 years because not everybody is going to turn it around. Some people are going to have that dog that these behavioural problems have developed and it's going to go on until the day they die. That's quite depressing. Yeah, I it would is. say. Yeah. And I can see those owners, if I'm going to be honest, as you know, I have a six-month dog upstairs. Mm. And as soon as you walked in, <laughs> you identified lots of problem behaviours, uh, which, um, yeah, which I now know I have to work on. <laughs> and you did it in such a nice, subtle way. Um, for people that are listening, uh, Rodney was jumping all over Nigel, which is uh, not good. Um and he's only ever done that for you. He's <laughs> um, just saying hello. <laughs> but I, you know, well, and I waited, if I'm going to be honest, I waited to get Rodney because I wanted to wait until a point where I could get him into doggy daycare mm. so that he could socialise with other people and socialise with other dogs because I have, over the years, seen the impacts of poorly socialised dogs. Uh, so I didn't want to have a dog where I was at home 24-7 with it, even though it had been perfect, you know, to, to have him, I actually got him in April 2021, so a year mm. <laughs> after the pandemic started. Um, but I see those dogs every day. And what it looks like to me is a dog who has got an extremely nervous owner. The dog is on the lead. The owner does not know what to do when other dogs come up. They kind of panic when the dog starts to play. Um, whenever, I mean, you know, there's a set of gnashes and variable isn't there when dogs are playing, they, they interpret that as, 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 as fighting and that they drag the dog away and the dog just looks really confused. And that's what I see in the park. Obviously, you're seeing things in a home situation. But when I see that owner, I do not have much hope for the, 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 the confidence of that dog based on what we've been talking about mm. are those the kind of dogs you're talking about are going to have the impacts for 15 years or i think it's i mean just as a as a general rule if there's a hundred percent of people five percent of people are going to be getting it wrong and it's never going to be fixed you know 50 percent of people let's say 25 percent of people experience problems out of 100 percent five percent of them will never get it fixed for whatever reasons they're too busy they've got limiting beliefs they blame the breed they blame the age they blame the history. So we know people like it. We know people that will make excuses, but 100% of those dogs are definitely fixable. So if you're listening to this and you've got a dog with behavioral issues, I guarantee you 
you can always boost the dog's confidence in you as a leader in their environment and what they should be doing if you just do it in small steps and learn how to communicate convincingly, calmly and consistently and you will get there. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step but you've just got to keep taking those steps in the right direction and it doesn't matter if it's losing weight or you know studying a university course or or whatever you do there's people listening now that have accomplished great things everybody listening has accomplished something great but for some reason when it comes to a dog we don't translate how capable we are we end up putting our head in the sand and this is often um helped in a bad way by the facebook groups so if you go onto a facebook group of a particular breed and you say you've got this breed of behavioral issues oh, i've got a daxi with these behavioral issues it will become confirmation bias because let's say there's 50,000 people on the Facebook page. Well, 50 people will have the same problem and they'll say, yeah, yeah, that's what taxis are like. Mm. And then the person won't even try. So unfortunately, the, we will see the effects of this for 15 years because of so many variables. And everyone's just got to believe that whatever the circumstances, we can get our dog sorted. So that sounds a little bit more positive. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased about that. So if you were to sit back and as an overview of the nation's dogs, are you in a positive or a negative place? Positive. Why? Because I'm a positive person, I think. I just think that everybody's capable for change. And I feel that people generally want to try. And if they have the right mindset, they'll do it. If they don't, then they're going to have to learn to change their mindset. <laughs> so, Nigel, for anybody listening to this and whose dogs have, and I know there are people listening to this whose dog will have um, some of the behavioural problems we've talked about because all the questions that we got in were about those behavioural problems. Um, what advice would you would you give them? What can they do in the here and now? What do they have to prepare themselves to do to to get their dogs back on track this sounds basic it's one of the most basic concepts when it comes to dog ownership but it's one of the most misunderstood and the the, the concept is to understand the dog's needs and people think when they think about needs they think the dog needs exercising socializing training uh food uh company and whilst those things are all true if you understand their needs works in a pyramid and it's about food security belonging, company, interaction, play, facilitating who's in charge, building confidence, that pyramid of needs is a different model. And I think if you identify that pyramid of needs and aim to fulfill the dog's needs with everything you do. So if you go out for a walk, you're not just going out for a walk singly. You're going out for a walk to exercise, yes, but you're also getting the weather conditions on right, making sure the weather conditions are right. You're making sure that when you go for a walk, the dog feels safe. You're also showing the dog that when you go out, that you'll make the decisions and that you will show them what to do and when you go out you're trying to boost their confidence in you as their leader in their environment what they should be doing and if you can have that holistic mindset you can't go too wrong but if you think singly about anything then you're not going to consider all the variables so familiarize yourself with a hierarchy of, of dog needs okay excellent <laughs> okay well i feel a lot better about <laughs> the conversation because coming into it, I had quite a lot of nervousness and anxiety and fear-based aggression. Uh, no, um, uh, because it does look very doom and gloom. And, you know, across 
all sectors, across all subject matter, we are painted a quite a negative picture about the impacts of the pandemic. And when you see some of the statistics that come out of these reports, you think, oh, God, here we go. Am I, as a veterinary professional, going to be feeling the impacts of this for a long time to come? But you're saying, come on, dog owners, let's get the knowledge base right. Let's do the research. Let's get the understanding what your dog's trying to tell you, how they're trying to communicate you, and then step up as their leader. If we can all take those steps, then we can get ourselves out of this crisis. Please tell me that this is what we can do. 100%. Yeah, and I love that, the way you articulated that. And I get, as you were talking about it, I, the hair started raising the back of my neck as well because it just it just fills me with so much uh, enthusiasm to to want to help people. And there's loads of people out there that want to help. And they, they like, my clients... I meet the best people in the world. I really do. I meet kind people. My consultation today was with a police person. You can imagine his potential clients every day. Like they say in the police, your, you know, your, your faith in human nature goes. My faith in humans is constantly going up because I just meet kind people who want to try. And I want to be connected with these people who want to try as well. So we're all in this together. Let's all stick together. Let's not judge each other. And let's, let's get our dogs sorted because if the dog's lives are better, our lives are better. And that's inevitably what we all want. I, I love the fact that you got excited about what I just said, because all I've done there is replay <laughs> your advice that you've <laughs> given me. So Nigel, it's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for today. It's been a pleasure. Such a great chat with Nigel on today's show. You can check out Nigel's work on his website, thedogguardian.com, or head to YouTube and search for Nigel Reed. His videos have had millions of views. I personally love them and think they're an absolutely excellent resource for all dog owners. You've been listening to The Consult Room. I really hope you've enjoyed today's show. Please do subscribe, follow or share this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to get in touch or collaborate, then do reach out to us at theconsultroom.co.uk or connect with me on social media as Dr. Paul the Vet or Dr. Paul Magdalene.